our top 10 lists. <laughs> we're going to go through, right now we're doing our top 10 reggaeton slash reggae crossover slash Afrobeat songs, aka the Drake Appreciation Hour. What's <laughs> <laughs> so good, people? We're back. And this week, we're capping up the most important thing, the people who made a decade. Who found them? Music would sound like 2009. Mm, I guess what, I was that, what was that sound effect I don't know if that's a bad thing yeah, yeah, I don't know that was good we had a lot of you had fucking LCD sound system doing the fucking that punk dance shit yeah. you had fucking Good Fridays Good Fridays good Kanye was fucking insane yeah you know what I'm saying Jay-Z wasn't a total horrible yeah, rapper it was still the, the that piff yeah, mixtape era in man, it was it was it was, it was prime <laughs> fuck god damn music has sucked this decade <laughs> All right, that's it. Podcast done. <laughs> we summed it all up. <laughs> all you new listeners out there, all you youngins, just ignore this whole decade. This is the old shit. You know? That's, that's all. all. All that happened this decade was Migos. Everything, that's all that happened was, after that, it was all worthless. True. True. That's True. all. That's True. all. That's all. Yeah. But anyway, we have a formal list written out in the finest of Google Sheets. I'm going to go down it in no particular order. Shouts to Google. Shouts to Google. You know what I'm saying? Shouts to our future overlords. They're, they're, they're lacing, lacing us up. They're yes. sponsoring us. By owning our souls. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking your data right now. They're taking our data right now. So, yeah. So, uh, shouts, shouts to all of them out there. Please don't hurt me or my family when you get an army in about 10 years. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to go down. A little, we'll, go, we'll go backwards. I feel like backwards is a little more fun because I feel like it's a little, a little the, the, the later ones, I feel like a little easy. Yeah. We'll start with the more controversial ones. I threw, we have a late edition out there because I felt like our list was a little bit too biased. <laughs> you know, unlike the Oscars, it was a little too black. <laughs> so I was like, I looked at the list and I was like, where's, where's the white males here? Where, where are they in the musical landscape of the decade? And I honed on to one man, one man alone, who built an empire of cheesy EDM hits, crossover reggae, and bass key pop fluff. That man is motherfucking Diplo. Very true. Very true. And you know what I was thinking about when I was, I was making this list? I'm just kind of looking at artists who set a precedent, right? And I feel like Diplo set a precedent for like a Post Malone to just run into a genre <laughs> and colonize it. Yeah, he's... he's <laughs> <laughs> And just like make all the money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, like once Diplo did that with like, you know, we start with Bali Funk and then like reggae and you know, whatever. Once Diplo did all of that, I feel like it just opened the door to everybody else to say like, oh, you know what? You can do this and get paid, and you know only black Twitter is gonna like make fun of you. Cool, all right? Yeah, no, it's it's something. And and, and here's the thing: we're kind of we're kind of throwing some jabs. But what's fascinating about Diplo is he gets called for being inauthentic, yada yada yada. This dude actually has cred. Oh no, like, he makes hits. Yeah, he makes hits, and he's he was doing fucking like he was part of the basement scene in fucking Philly. Like he's he was doing it before there was money in it. You know, very true, and that's what's weird about it. Where this is somebody where, and the idea of who was underground and became basically at the front of the pop avant garde, like and and through quote unquote hard work. And it's like we could always kind of throw darts and say, well, culture vulture, this and that, he stole this, but ultimately he pulled off what everybody else is trying to pull off and successfully and kind of laid the groundwork. Yeah, and also too, you know, he it's not like he was kind of. Like uh, aping anybody, sound like like he's making things unique, and I think that's like the most interesting thing. Like he's making things like fairly unique, and he was he's like adding his own touch to these sounds, and you know, so it wasn't like him almost pulling a Drake and just like <laughs> straight up jacking people's yeah. sounds. Like he was actually putting the time and effort and energy to kind of add his own touch to it, and I think that's that's worthwhile. I mean, I, the, the the dude makes hits, you know, like like jokes aside, yeah. you know. And, and he can't really be. It's like it's like I kind of want to crack jokes, and and obviously not a lot of the Diplo stuff like hits me, but more than often, like particularly the early Major Laser album, that's a great record. You know what I'm saying? And, and for him to kind of you know gone out there and, and even think about who he had, he had like people like Dirty Projectors, <laughs> and like genuine reggae artists working together on that record. Like yeah. it's weird how. And so like he's got he definitely has an ear and you know he's somebody where he's on his Mr. Party there was a GQ article I think came out a couple of days ago where it's basically him just being quote unquote Diplo he had that Vice show which kind of making fun of him of being the superstar mega DJ yeah kind of almost by by you know poking fun at EDM by osmosis but he was never 
really EDM. He just he just knows his pop shit. Yeah. You know, back from when he was doing work with fucking MIA to fucking now, where you know he's just Mr. Fucking Coachella running around. So you know, I, I do think that if you took Diplo away from this decade, the way that like music has kind of meshed together, particularly in the pop space realm, yeah. would not be there. You know what I'm saying? Like there's an argument to be made where obviously, you know, Diplo rarely uses trap drums, but the easy way that trap drums made its way into pop music without Diplo there, there would have been a lot more resistance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. And then uh down the line, this is this is like apparently our minority section of the evening. <laughs> we go on to another another mon- malign minority as far as our, our list is concerned. Ariana Grande. Yeah, so this was a late addition to the list, but I, I do have to say, this decade was the decade that quote unquote pop music kind of died. I yeah. mean, you had at the beginning of the decade, you had like uh, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, and Taylor Swift, like all kind of dominating that white pop space. And when I say pop music, I say like I'm thinking white female pop. Yeah, sugary, crossovery, yeah, mall mommy. Yeah, and you you know you kind of have like Miley Cyrus and all that, and then basically around like 2008, 2009, like I mean 2018, 2019, like whatever, like the whole country changed, and all these artists were kind of left in the lurch, and all these artists couldn't adjust, right? So Taylor Swift is still kind of popular, but not as popular, um, and I think Ariana kind of. I guess like rode that wave of like, okay, I'm going to be R and B. I want to work with Pharrell. I want to do these things, which is like a blueprint that like Britney and Christina like set up like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but she did it and reinvented it for 2018, 2019, 2020. And, you know, kind of save pop in a weird way. Oh, you know, it's, it's something where, and it's kind of unfortunate where even now we have these designations of where, you know, you've got white pop and black pop. And you would like to think that, let's say, a Rihanna or a Beyonce cross over, and they do, but there's still certain issues. You know, yeah. there's, there's still a lot of corners of the world that are, don't really see them. You know, see them as black music per se. But with Ariana Grande, what's kind of interesting interesting is the fact of where she basically made an R&B album. She made a pure R&B album. It's something I would have seen years ago from, let's say, Mariah Carey. It's something where, obviously, not like Rihanna per se, but the basic broad strokes of here's an R&B, you know, here's an upbeat R&B song, here's a trappy R&B song, here's this, like, you know, she kind of covered these bases, and it's kind of interesting to see that come from a person who literally came from the Disney fucking <laughs> conveyor belt. Yeah. And again, this this precedence before, before this, you know, Britney, and probably the most direct, probably just Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Came out there, you know, you know, wanted to kind of went solo after they broke up. I can't say they broke up. They never really broke up in sync. But he decided to go solo. Basically got blessed with a whole bunch of Michael Jackson B-sides that the Nipsons couldn't really sell to him. Yeah. And then that kind of became his R&B kind of lane. And unfortunately, he's kind of pulled back since then. You know, one of the greatest, most underrated albums ever, <laughs> Man of the Woods. <laughs> you know, it's going to, you know, one of, one of the most, the, the most, the most critically acclaimed records <laughs> in the past 20 to 30 years. I'm telling you, thesis will be written about this record. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Before the, the pre-Yeehaw agenda, Justin called it out. You know what I'm saying? He was out there on the front lines. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's the idea of where you've got this R&B album made by a pop songstress, and you could almost make the argument that's been happening since Elvis. But what kind of makes Ariana interesting is the fact of there are songs that are are not, you know, you know everybody always is like, oh, you know, you got to just, just that missing that little soul element or it's a little bit off. Like those Ariana Grande songs are really just like if you played it to me and told me it was a black woman singing, I'm gonna tell the difference. Yeah, and I think like the the what's interesting about Ariana and that why I'm comparing her to like uh, Taylor or uh, Lady Gaga is because she's one of the last kind of big tent pop artists out there. Like now, what pop is is Billie Eilish. Yeah. <laughs> Who's doing crazy cross? I feel like we're gonna have to talk about Billie Eilish in another yeah. podcast because I feel like the boomers got to her because she's playing the Grammys and writing the, the James Bond theme apparently. Oh yeah, no, which is I'm not I'm not especially uh, mad at that, and uh, we can talk about that maybe next yeah. week. But well, you know, like pop now is like these weird subcultures where like Billie Eilish is number one and Tyler the Creator is number one, and like somebody like Lord is a pop star, and you know you have these weird one offs like you know um uh you know um whatever that country song was. But, but yeah, like like in terms of like big tent, big stadium pop, like Ariana's like the last of Mohicans out here, yeah. And yeah. you know she's reinventing herself, and she's working with like again working with Neptune's, working with all of these 
um, like you know, almost hip hop producers, and she's making it happen. You know, yeah. she's carrying the torch. Yeah, so props to her. We'll be we'll be dealing with more <laughs> hip hop and hot tropic t-shirts <laughs> for the near future. Next up is another. It's an interesting list. I mean, interesting person on the list, Frank Ocean. Yeah, and I would say he is one of my top of the decade. Um, so look, would you ever think like ten years ago that like, you have a queer R and B singer, introverted who also like doesn't you know, really tour, doesn't R&B tour. Plays. You know, like he's into like fast cars, but not like flashy. He's like into like old British roadsters. Like it's all it's like this kind of crazy, um, this kind kind of crazy person. But I think like the fact that he came out and he, you know, he's making these his weird music. I think he's kind of opened the door and made other people like realize like, oh, you can do whatever you want to. Like somebody, you know, like um. Uh, oh man, why am I blanking on this dude? Old Town Road. God, Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X, you know, <laughs> like he opened the door for him to come out. You know, he's opened the door for all, like, like this kind of, you know, because you weren't, you were never queer as a, like a black artist, R&B artist, you know, like Lu- Luther, he might be, mm, you rumor, know, rumor says, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, or Whitney Houston, you know, but like, you know, even them, like in their, in, in their death, like they can't come out, you know? Yeah. So I think like Frank Ocean's kind of made the impact on the culture. And also too, like the music is interesting. It's unique. Um, and it's also pop in a weird way. And he kind of set that precedent for some of these other artists, even like a uh, Uzi Vert or something like that to like make something that's like a combination of R and B or rock or whatever. Um, and he's kind of like opened the door for people to do whatever. Yeah. You know? For me, it's two things. One is the idea of where, and generally when you're, when you come from a minority, they expect certain stereotypes out of you. You know, ideally that, you know, the idea of a queer artist would be somebody who's very flamboyant, very, you know, very this, very that. Yeah. And that to be funny for quote unquote Frank Ocean, um, like as a, as a, as a fashion icon and all this, all that, he's a regular ass dude. And, yeah. and that's what kind of makes Frank Ocean kind of fascinating is the idea of where even though he's somebody who wears his queerness on his sleeve, he does it in a very regular guy way, which I feel like the powers that be never really let you to kind of do that. Yeah. And like, you know, it's something where he comes out and he's got these songs and it's written from the perspective of, of a, you know, female perspective, male perspective. It's just that they let him, you know, it's one of the few times that the powers of B let a minority artist just be an artist. Yeah. They aren't begging them to, you know, they aren't running to Frank Ocean for, you know, Frank, I mean, for um, gay marriage quotes. They aren't running to Frank Ocean to see if he's non binary or not. Is this Frank Ocean just does Frank Ocean stuff? Yeah. So I think he kind of helped that also. And I think what's interesting about Frank Ocean is the idea of where, and this is a bigger conversation. We have we've got a list of artists, and you know some of them kind of touch on this, but the idea of having like that that never mind, yeah, that chronic, yeah, you know, saying you, we could talk about Kitch Lamar and some of his kind of records, but I feel that Frank Ocean has had that record, or that you know that OK Computer, yeah, arguably two of them. You know, I, I I'm a little bit older, so I kind of slide up Channel Orange. But for many kids, the Alpha and Omega is fucking blonde. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it took that whole you know Zandow depressed you know SoundCloud you know post 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 weekend sound, and it's kind of put it to genius songwriting. And while for me I didn't love it as much because I find it meandery, for a generation of kids who all they knew was meandery depressed songs, blonde is like the Alpha and Omega. So what's interesting about Frank Ocean is that he's somebody where that critically acclaimed slot where, you know, to a certain extent where, you know, music has kind of shifted away and it's all about singles and, you know, genre doesn't really make a difference and awards don't make a difference and yada, yada, yada. Frank Ocean feels like the one guy who drops a record and everybody stops and everybody gives it like fucking tens across the board. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to kind of have that, that artistry that like, this is what we should be aiming for kind of artists kind of still survive in this stream era. And, yeah. that's, and that's Frank. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, so perhaps to him. The other is a controversial choice. You know, I remember back in the days we were all in the club, you know what I'm saying? Dancing to R. Kelly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, post fucking original accusation and post sex tape, popping bottles, doing Molly with Ja Rule, you know, the 50 cents. <laughs> the club was a fun place. We would go out there, get our best boot cut jeans, you know what I'm saying? 
our fucking square-toed shoes. Girls wear fucking the nice tight dresses, wait online for about four or five hours, get inside to the club, quote-unquote pop bottles. And it was the greatest thing in the world. It was the ideal. It was a dream. Then this Canadian came out there <laughs> and showed you that this partying, this lifestyle, is a dark and seedy side. You know what I'm saying? There's a cry for help in this partying. And that man is the weekend. Yeah. So I would have to say House of Balloons, when that dropped, is probably one of the most impactful albums of the decade in terms of how it shifts the culture. Oh, yeah. Every R&B record since. Yeah. I feel, yeah, it's, it's. It's has has if if it's a little sad and depressed with some trap shit, that's fucking the weekend's footprint right there. Exactly, it's dark as fuck. It's not even smoking weed, getting you know high and like let's you know like Netflix and chill, whatever. This is like no, let's do Zanny because we're both <laughs> my, depressed. My girl left me. I'm a piece of shit. I'm in a strip club, but I can't afford the strip club. <laughs> but yeah, that album like changed the whole paradigm of what hip-hop and urban culture is to I mean, again to the point where like you have future you know you have like little um uh uzi vert you have like all these artists who like are deep into this xanax molly drug culture and that i feel like a lot of that stuff was was the weekend saying like you know i'm going to do this and making it popular and making it you know pop in, in a lot of ways but also too i remember when house of balloons came out there's this huge argument about the soul of R&B where, you know, a lot of indie rock artists uh, or indie rock publications were hailing it as like, you know, like the future sound. PB R&B. <laughs> that little fucked up term. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, people tr- quote unquote traditional R&B is like, well, this sound's not black enough. The sound is like whatever. <laughs> And, you know, in a weird way, it's really interesting because I feel like the weekend sound of R&B kind of was dominant for a long time. And I guess there's a kind of a pendulum swing back with like an Ari Lennox or something like a LMI. But like for the most part, that sound has pretty much dominated for the past decade. When you think about R&B, when you think about like Bryson Tiller or even if you look at somebody like, um, oh man, why am I blanking right now? Party next door. Party next door. Yeah. Um, or, or not to be funny, all the crossover trap rappers singing. Yeah, is basically just weekend theme songs. Like, yeah. like the idea of you know, my girl left me, Zanny, yada yada yada. Like he, it's, it's in a weird way. And what's funny is he himself has moved on past his sound. Like he's doing oh, yeah. glossy disco pop oh, shit, yeah. yada yada yada. But that trilogy. That trilogy literally set the blueprint for, like, if you're an R&B dude and you're trying to come up and you make a little fucking, put some shit out there on SoundCloud or fucking wherever, like, you, you're borrowing his fucking template, at least initially. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And that's a, it's very interesting that you say that, too, because, yeah, like, now he he's pretty much, like, going to be pop, trap, whatever, I don't know what he yeah, is Yeah, high now. gloss. I got some Daft super Punk. Super gloss, you know like, super Calabasas, super, yeah. like, whatever. And yeah, like it's very interesting that like he's kind of the only dude doing that. <laughs> you know, like he wants to be Michael Jackson in this weird way. Uh, well, not really weird, but you know, like he he's trying to be in those footsteps. But the rest of R and B, for the most part, is nowhere near that. Yeah, it's, it's still <laughs> mired in that sound. And and going back to the idea, I was joking about it, but what I found fascinating about the sound is is the idea of where. And I'm gonna I'm gonna. I don't want to shit on 90s R&B or even 80s R&B because, you know, that's the blueprint. You know, Jody C is a great band. Like, a lot of musical movements we've had since then are based off that. But I, what I found fascinating is the idea of where, you know, you know, even like an album like My Life was very with depression and breakups. Yeah. But what I liked about The Weeknd, it kind of reminds me. Are you ready for this? Ready uh-oh, for this shit? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, so hair metal. So you fucking had hair metal in the fucking 80s, right? Okay. Everybody's fucking out there. It's fucking Van Halen. It's fucking Def Leppard. It's all fucking white women on cars being objectified, big titties out, and a whole bunch of white dudes in fucking very feminine hairstyles and pants talking about how they're manly men and being misogynistic. Then you had the spark of where grunge came. You had Nirvana. You had Pearl Jam. And like, oh, the artist has to go here. We want something a little more real. Yeah. And even though I was talking about it in the beginning, that's why I felt The weekend was. Now you can make the argument that subsequently became like a, a, a cliche in itself and a lifestyle in itself. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, this, this style in itself. 
But ideally, what I liked about the weekend of Trilogy specifically is that it was like, oh, all this party shit you guys are doing, it's fucked up. Oh, yeah. You know, here's, you know, the girl in the club getting fucked up. You know, there's a good chance she might get sexually assaulted. You know, the guy out here literally spending money on the fucking, on the stripper with his card, he's maxed out. Like, you know, the guy over here was thinking he's doing great with all these girls. He's out here because he can't go home to his girl because he got caught cheating. Yeah. They kind of gave you these little micro stories of how, like, you know, the idea of going to the club, which kind of ruled all throughout the decade before, was kind of all bullshit. It was all borrowed time. It's all basically materialism that really didn't amount to anything because everybody's kind of running from some kind of pain. Yeah. And like I said, it became a cliche subsequently. But at that time, it was fucking revolutionary. Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I've always said like, like uh, the trilogy in House Balloons, like, like it's like the after after party. It's like when the lights come up. Yeah. And it's like four or five in the morning, and you're still out here trying to get some tail, trying yeah. to do whatever because you don't want to go home alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's the weekend, you know. Like that. That's yeah, and, and I think that's a really good point. It's like, like that whole hangover from the two thousands you know, like hit like and it hit really hard, you know, and, and I feel like it's very interesting, um, just to see again, like I, yeah, grunge from <laughs> from hair metal to grunge. Yeah. You know, it's, it's there's always these pendulum swings. Um so it's gonna be interesting to see like what what um where R and B swings back to. Because um, I do think the weekend sounds kinda old and then you have like artists like Bryson Tiller who kinda came out and you know, try to ape that sound and things like that. So I think, you know, the sound is kind of getting a little old, but I'm actually kind of curious like, to see where that, that pendulum swings. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a decade run. Of, yeah, a decade of, run. But it was needed. Like I said, it's something where I, I think without that, it's it kind of helped ground R&B in a weird way. Obviously, it went the whole opposite direction, but it kind of brought in the horizons, as I say, about how, you know, we've had 10, 10 years of the club, you know, partying <laughs> in the club. Now let's focus on crying in the corner and throwing up. <laughs> Ooh, next is an easy one. Kendrick Lamar, the preeminent, the Pulitzer Prize winning, <laughs> the writer, the historian of, of America, yeah. Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And you know what? I, I have to, I feel like too, this is another like kind of pendulum swing. I mean, you know, like, like the 2000s, you had 50 Cent, you had like 50 Cent and you had Kanye, right? And then like, you saw the shift towards Kanye, but Kanye, it's pop rap. And I feel like once the 2010s hit, we didn't have, like, the most deaths. We didn't have, like, some of these kind of, like, um, like, there's just a void there for, I don't want to call it thinking rap, conscious rap, but I feel like that era and that section of rap needed a star. And... Kendrick kind of filled the void and it's just very interesting to kind of see like not only like because I mean when he started it was like what was it overly dedicated that was like what 2011 something like that was it I feel like that might have been even in the last decade yeah it might have been 2010 yeah. um like I I feel like you kind of saw his evolution and now like, you see him as a completely competent MC. And he's almost like a like a pop star in this crazy, crazy, crazy way. Whereas ten years ago, like you know, he's kind of a backpack rap rapper, you know. And it's now he's kind of elevated, quote unquote, backpack rap <laughs> 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 to a point where, you know, I don't think he's as famous as Kanye, but he's fairly close in terms of you know, like Kanye will always be able to probably tour and sell and cross over and things like that. But Kendrick is. In terms of just like rap rap popularity is fairly high up there, and oh. I think he's able he's able to take his con brand of conscious rap and elevate it to to a point that I don't think a lot of people like I don't, I've never seen before in the, in that kind of like sphere. You know? Oh yeah, I don't think there's ever. Obviously, you have your 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 periods of like let's say like you know you know something like Public Enemy. Like you've, you've you've had you've had I won't say that like crossover hip hop generally is is tends to be more on the frivolous side and I, I even hate using the frivolous but let's just say a little less concerned with sociopolitical issues yeah you know because you can even make the argument like a Jay Z you know there's Muscle Blue Moon there's some bars in there about you know what's happening in the real world I think what makes Kendrick spectacular is the fact of where a couple of things a even sadly enough sadly enough. Even in even in 2020 now, it's hard to find a lot of MCs to get the critically acclaimed through that they need. 
Like, as far as the Rockets establishment is concerned, as far as the Grammys, it's still very disposable. Yeah. So it's cool to have a rapper whose art is seen as actual art. Yeah. I think of Kendrick, what makes it special is the idea of where it's socio-political, but not political. It's something where, you know, the, the whole idea back in the days was that, you know, hip-hop is, is, is black people, is the hood CNN, you know. And I think that Kendrick kind of encompasses that perfectly, where it's like it tells you what's happening, it's like pushing down to you, it's just done in a way that's very artful. And I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes to what's happening. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just even small things about how with, uh, was it Damn or to Pimp, to Pimp, what he had the, the Fox News Damn. Damn. And how Fox News had a comment on it. And, and yeah. Arado, like, you know, it's those weird meta commentaries where, like, he's so big that even they felt like they had to kind of respond. And even when he even put that song in there, it's not like he was on some, like, Fox News is fucked up, yada, yeah. yada, yada. It could work as a funny skits, or it could work as, right, and how a lot of people took it as, a jab at their fucked up views of fucking, you know, a lot of culture things. Yeah. And how they play up that fear. So you've got some who's critically acclaimed. You've got somebody who's able to kind of throw the line of being political and also very fucking, you know, very smart. And also, he knows fucking music. Like, it's hard to find. And here's the big secret about hip-hop. Going back to your most deaths, going back, although he's not as bad, or going back to your Nas's, you know, a lot of these dudes have really shitty ears for beats. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> like, and then, like, you know, going back to, no, 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 you know, fuck it, J. Cole. Sorry, dude. Uh-oh. I'm just saying, and what's cool about Kendrick is that strip all that bullshit away. He's a really well formed artist. He's he got his hooks. Yeah, he's got great beat selection. He knows how to formulate a song. Like forgetting everything else, because it's very easy to be like, oh well, he's talking about the the you know the social economic political status of the hood since the 1990s and the economics. Forget all that bullshit. As a as a body of musical work, he just knows how to do it correctly because he goes back to the idea of let's say to pip a butterfly. Fucking jazz. Yeah. Again, jazz is having a moment now. I love jazz. Very black cultural movement. But we've had jazz records before where it tend to be very cliche. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Going back to the idea of gangster coming back. You know what I'm saying? Jazz chops, jazz breaks, put into hip hop. Been there, done that. There's rules how to how that's done. And Kendrick kind of comes in there and breaks those rules. You know, it could have been very neo soul. Oh yeah. Could have been very gangster, but he did it in a way that felt very organic, very new, very now. And that's the thing is that at the end of the day. Kendrick is somebody where, like, like I remember re- reading towards the end where apparently before he passed, Prince met up with Kendrick. Mm. And it's not really that surprising where, yeah. I don't know if Kendrick necessarily plays an instrument, but Kendrick knows his music shit left to right. Like, I'm pretty sure if he sat Kendrick down and just talked about fucking albums and music and theory and everything else, not necessarily musical theory, but theories of how records work, he could break that bitch down like fucking, <laughs> like your greatest producer, your greatest fucking record label owner, period. Like, he's somebody who knows what he's doing on many levels. Yeah. And that's what's scary about him as far as a talent. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this too, and this might be shots fired, but, you know, you look at some of these other artists, like Amos or Nas, like, they've had misses, I don't feel like Kendrick has had a miss. Yeah, I, I don't. And here's the thing: I don't see how he can have a miss. Like I, yeah. Like I could imagine him not necessarily coming out of like you know, um, op- like look, look at Damn. So Damn was not nearly as ambitious on paper as to Pimp, but Damn is still Damn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, yeah. Like it's something where he's firing a, an old cylinder. It's like Tyson in his prime. Yeah. It's like it's gotta happen, but I don't fucking see how it's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh so yeah, no, props to Kendrick. Yeah, props to him. And uh next one is his mortal enemy. The Lord of the Light is Kendrick, who came out there, who blessed us, who told us about police brutality and told us to get together in the hood. There is one person out there, an evil Canadian, who came riding in on the Grassy Junior High horse. <laughs> Trying to separate us. Black, white, men, female, bottle waitress to bottle buyer, the evil Drake. Drake, 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 Drake. Watch the man, clip go, go higher. The man who, def- who invented Afrobeats, who invented reggaeton, who invented dance hall. The man, the first man to ever sing a rap song, according to New York, to, to New York Times. <laughs> The Alpha and Omega of music this decade. <laughs> the Dark Lord of Hip Hop. Drake. <laughs> Say his name. Yo, you know what? So look, you can't have a, a impactful artist of the decade list without having Drake. You, 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 just, you just can't. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that's most interesting about Drake is that, look, 
this decade was the decade where you shifted from physical consumption to still physical consumption of MP3s. They <laughs> take up like space in your hard drive to pure cloud-based streaming consumption. And Drake kind of started in that like mixtape era, like MP3 era. Oh yeah. You know, leaped from MP3 era to you know best I never had, which went to straight from MP3 to radio, and then adjusted and and dominated the streaming. Shit, yeah, era. that's a fantastic point. He's he's the streaming god. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's very interesting to see like him do all of those like touch all of those verticals in the past decade to the point where like he owns streaming now. Like he he owns like. Streaming, you know, internet culture, meme culture, you know, he was one of the first people to embrace that on a large scale and not to, and I think he didn't really participate in it. He just let things happen around him, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I think he's a sheer marketing genius. Like, I, I don't even know if he's doing it all, like, if he's like, if, it, if he has a master plan. I think sometimes he just like sits back and lets shits happen, and that's like sometimes that's what you have to do, you know. I agree. I think it's you know, and that, I think it's a good point. I think it's less about master plan, be somebody where it's just like, and you know what it is, and it's gonna sound weird to kind of say it for somebody who's that petty, when it comes to his actual career and his music, he's pretty much ego free. Yeah, like it's somebody where a lot of other MCs have been like, yo, they're making fun of me and they're, they're making these memes and yo, I'm supposed to be sending a serious MC and this and that and blah blah blah. Drake is somebody who you feel like always sees the bigger picture. And yeah, on record, he may be very petty, you know, and maybe a lot of subtweets. But I think when it comes to his career, if anything happens, he's not somebody where just like I'm gonna go hop on Twitter now and get angry or call, make a phone call, this and that. He takes four or five steps back and says, okay, this happened. How can I do it to build my brand? Yeah. And I feel like he's somebody where he's done that consistently. Yeah. Like, even with the Pusha T beef, which, again, could have been something very tragic. In hindsight, he played pretty much the best way he possibly can. He took his L. He came on an album kind of confronting about it, you know, not not too pissy. Yeah. And kind of moved and acknowledged it in interviews and moved on. And, it, and it's something where... Like it's the, the Drake of Brain is very much like 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 almost like a crazy CEO. Like Drake Corp is in great hands. Like it's it's never like oh man that happened yada 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 or like Bieber like hopping onto fucking you know yeah. hopping onto like Instagram begging people for streams. Like Drake will never do that. Drake is somebody who'd be like all right I'm not streaming. How can I flip this into a positive? And like it's crazy where like it's just he's kind of so he just has the game. I've never seen anybody who's had the game that mastered as yeah. an artist. And that's yeah. what's kind of weirdly scary about Drake. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's very easy to be like, oh, he ghostwrites, he does this, he does that. There's somebody who at the end of the day is still a great MC. Somebody at the end of the day who's still a great hook writer. Somebody at the end of the day who's got a great ear for beats. Like, Drake is still a dope person. We can make the argument if he's got a classic or not. Good argument. I would say take care. Yeah. yeah. But overall, the product he's produced... The quality of the product he's produced overall, considering how many songs he's got there, he doesn't have that many dubs. He may not have that many great, fantastic, top-tier album of the year albums, but you'll never hear a horrible album from Drake. No. Like, even his dubs are still good albums to put in, put in your car and play and ride around to. And, and you know, that's the thing, too. It's like, like even when he kind of drops something like Scorpion or drops something like Views, where, like, there's still not a great consensus on that album... Those they have hits, yeah, and they have, like you know they you know, like Scorpion has like mad hits, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think and I think that's the thing. It's just like even when you want to hate him, you have to admire him because I, I I feel like there's still enough music there and there's still enough variety in his music. It's almost like something for everyone. It's like this weird ass Walmart, you know, where like everybody's happy, you know, and I, and I think again like 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 just. To, to play and master like the streaming era, to play and master culture, to be, you know, somebody who like it pops off in the suburbs and still, you know, even if he's not respected in the hood, hood people, hood artists respect him. Yeah. You know, in this crazy, crazy, crazy way, you know, like he'll go to Atlanta or Memphis and like work for MC and like, you know, they'll get his, his streaming numbers, you know, so uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, 
I mean, look, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm in awe of Drake. I'm like, I just, I've never seen somebody be so consistent for so such a long time. Yeah. And you know, we thought he was going to take this L to push a thing, and he's bounced back. Like, yeah. Really quickly. And so. like I said, in a way where you wouldn't expect, like it'd been easy from the fall of these traps, and like I said, it's something where. Like, and I know he's producing, he's kind of branch, and like, inevitably, we all know he's going to be making music that much longer, but he's definitely a fascinating mind, and I would love to read, like, a real interview of him, because a lot of it comes back to beef and celebrity, yada, yada, yada. I would love to read a Drake book about how he approaches things and what was going through his mind, because it just seems like he's just kind of working on a higher level. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, the next one is a hybrid. I kind of threw them both together. This is my nominee. It's it's, it's basically future slash young thug. Okay. And I know it's very easy to go, oh, mumble rap, in, in I guess in my little Bernie <laughs> impression. <laughs> but I think the idea is this: is the idea of where obviously hip hop in 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 the in the tens have had a, has had a very specific kind of sound, you know, very auto tune, very sing songy, very hooky. Topics about depression, self medicating, and you know. That's definitely Future's wheelhouse. You yeah. Know? Like, he's somebody, like you said, we can make the argument, you know, came from the weekend, yada, yada, whatever it is. Yeah, somebody who was a pretty popular trap rapper, you know, superstar relationship, breakup, and just started having this run of mixtapes, right when mixtapes were actually kind of dying, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, the idea of having on the piff and everything else, but he had this spectacular runs of just reinventing himself as a bad guy. And I think it kind of goes back to the idea of where, again, with The weekend, not as a big of a paradigm shift per se, but what's cool about Future is the fact of where, even though it's 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 wrapped in the idea where I've gotten over her, it's wrapped up in the idea of where, you know, I've got all these bad quote-unquote bitches, he casts himself as the bad guy. Like, yeah. it, it's hard to listen to a Future song often and think that this guy is quote-unquote winning per se and not to say that yeah you can look on paper where he's talking about a lambo and blah 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 and this and that yeah but he's got a lot of songs about yeah like i've got all this shit and i'm here fucking my girl sister (laughs) (laughs) but i kind of really want to be with my girl and i think it's the idea of where and it's weird it's a mixture of connie 808 it's a mixture of the Drake sensitivity that he kind of became popular. It's a mix of a self-medicating weekend idea. But somehow he kind of made a weird space of where it's just like, it's not about being, let's say, you know, Tony Montana badass. Yeah. But just the idea of being like a fuckboy of vulnerability. And like, not to say that's a good thing, but off the space of rappers boasting about how awesome they are for years and years and years and how this money is fucking comes guilt and drama free, it's kind of cool hearing a dude kind of talk about how, like, you know, I've got all this shit, but a lot of times I just kind of miss my girl. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely, definitely. And, and, and I think, like, his impact of, you know, all these rappers from, like, again, I'm throwing out Uzi Vert to XXX to, like, you know, even, like, a little Peep or whatever, like, with Future, it's okay to be depressed. Yeah. In rap. And that was not the case, especially in kind of trap rap. Like, it's all about glorific- glorifying your cars and whatever. But Future's kind of like, yeah, I do have the car, but I am depressed. And you kind of open up that lane for people to talk about, like, depression. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. And and you, you know? they will talk about it in vague terms, like, if you're, let's say, Wu-Tang Cream, and it's very much the hood. But Future was, like, my feelings. Yeah, exactly. And that's a first for hip-hop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, like, that that was a really kind of monumental for, for him to kind of do that and, and talk about, like, you know, like, you know, you're, you're sitting there, and you're like, damn, this dude's just making all these mistakes and fucking up. And he kind of is cognizant of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's all, you know, and I feel like there's, I'm trying to think, of, you know, some rappers where they, they mask in braggadocio, where his feature is like, he does that, but then he'll pull back and like, he'll pull back the mask. It's like, oh shit, like this is, this is real. Yeah. You know, um, and like the fact that, you know, uh, you know, like, like, he had a track uh, "Mask Off," where it's like Molly Percocet. Like it's just like when you're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like these aren't like drugs that you are like, oh man. <laughs> I mean Molly, I guess, but like Percocet, <laughs> like these are not drugs that you were like, oh man, I'm just like I'm gonna be like to party with this drug. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come out there and sleep with like you know triplets. It's like this is me in the corner nodding off. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. My girl's born on the phone because I'm sleeping, you know, type <laughs> shit. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. like yeah, so like I said, it's, it's hard to kind of avoid that. And then on the flip side, the reason why I put in Young Thug is I think as far as Lowe is concerned, I don't think I've ever really seen this. Because you basically had, all right, so you've got Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, everybody's doing the auto-tune. Lil Wayne's doing a lot of interesting things with his voice and flow to find new ways of kind of changing his voice. And, you know, he had a very specific idea of just like where, you know, you could change, you know, you could have your voice be a little pipsqueak. You could kind of rush and slow down the verbs and the vowels. Yep. You could kind of find worlds in between the bars. And Young Thug just kind of took that nugget of that idea and just went to town with it. And, like, it's kind of hard, like, because I was even arguing today on the internet, Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich is fucking Young Thug. Yeah. Like, a lot of these dudes are literally Young Thug. Uzi Vert, Young Thug. And, like, and I, and like even though they find their nuances in it, where Uzi Vert, you know, obviously a Philly spitter, a little more lyrical, you know, a little more self-medicated, depressed, as opposed to Young Thug, who kind of, even in his music at the party, kind of keeps on going. You know, it's, it's, and the thing is, even pulling back a little bit, Young Thug gets spits. Like on the Swiss Beats record, he had one so, one track on there where he's yeah. just doing regular rapidy rap raps. Yeah. So it's like get it twisted. But for somebody who's kind of accused of being a mumble rapper, of having no substance, of this or that, as far as flow is concerned, I, like I hate to say it like this, and a lot, you're going to get a lot of hate mail, Young Thug is the flow master. Like you're not going to find somebody, like you could throw anything. My man was rapping like Louis Armstrong this year. <laughs> like he had it like 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 think about that. Like like and that's the idea of where, you know, it's very easy to kind of tuck away while all they aren't saying anything and it's auto-tune and it's all this or that. As far as finding ways of saying words and fitting it in between these computer generated, you know, very four four, very automated beats. Young Thug has kind of found a lot of ways to do that. And it's something where, again, I see Mumble Rap is going to change and yada, yada, yada. Pendulum will string another way. But I think that the basic idea of where you, you don't have to sit in those bars, and, you know, you don't have to do an MF Doom offbeat shit. Yeah. You know, in those bars themselves, you can find musicality and also rhythm beyond it's crazy to me, and 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 that's why I think he's there. People are gonna kind of get mad and say, "Well, he's not a good rapper, this and that," which is not true. But I'm out of that. But you can't deny the fact of, literally, if I go to the radio now and drag the top twenty hip hop songs, they will all sound like Young Thug. Yeah. Period. Full stop. So directly I, Young Thug. I, I, I will say that this about Young Thug, um, and a lot of the quote unquote mumble rappers. Basically, they figure out, like, there's no rules to this game anymore. Yeah. And, you know, there used to be kind of like, oh, you need to do, like, 16 bars and this cadence and blah, blah, you know. Like, there used to be rules to this rap game. And now there's not, you know. So you have, like, Young Thug. You have a Yachty. You have, like, all these cats now who just, like, really don't give a fuck. And I think, you know, a lot of times... Like sometimes it's grating to my ears, but sometimes <laughs> like you know there's some really creative things. You know, even somebody like a Playboy Cardi who I didn't really necessarily care for. You know what? He's just like you know what? This is what it is. Like this is what I'm doing. Like this, like I'm finding really weird pockets in this beat. And like Young Thug is like somebody who has evolved beyond all of them and kind of mastered like just doing what the fuck he wants to do. But also making it musical and also making it creative and also making it just like sound dope. So, yeah, I'm not mad. Yeah, no, it's, like I said, it's, it's something where I felt like, because I, like, I, definitely arguments be made for future, but I feel like it's really, and I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. It's hard to listen to any new rapper coming out and not say, oh, that's fucking Young Thug. And like I said, I've never really heard anybody take over this style. And the only thing that's good is the fact of where I felt that he was always kind of underrated because a lot of his peers kind of blew up much bigger than he has. Yeah. Although so much, so much fun seems to be a really big record for him. So props to him. But uh, he's like I said, it's just that he really, if he, if he chopped up Young Thug from the like hip hop tree right now, like literally all these other MCs. Like your Uzi verse disappear, your fucking Playboy Cardi's. Like hip hop looks completely different. You'll still have mumble rap, it'll still be there, but that musicality will disappear. So props to him. Yeah. And then um, now we move into our ringers. Here's <laughs> a hard choice. You ready for this one? Uh oh. All right. So there's a, there's a young female singer from this place called Houston. You know, she had a small group years ago that kind of bubbled up, you know, down with Wyclef Jean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> decided to go solo. 
And, you know, somehow she, she blew up. It's, we're talking about fucking Beyonce. And, and I think the idea of why she put here is the fact of, let's be honest, Beyonce was fucking huge last fucking decade. Yeah, you exactly. Know, she, she was somebody we used to mention about Beyonce and Taylor Swift. She was up there with those names. I think why we mention Beyonce now is the fact of, and, you know, it's my own personal critique. Some people may not me feel a little differently. I feel that for decades, Beyonce was very much a pop music plant. Like she was somebody made in the factory, you know, it's, it's something where her destiny was foretold to be like, you remember back when she was like fucking, you know, 15 or 21 and age rumors be, you know, that's what they say. <laughs> you know, you hear Diana Ross, she's going to go solo, Destiny's Child. Like she had a lane that was kind of built up for her. And she followed that lane straight through. What's been interesting for this decade is the fact of where, you know, I feel like the Beyonce here isn't. She's, 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 I mean, like I said, it, it would have been very easy for her. It's been very sterile and to kind of go out there and do these pop hits and just have no fucking personality, have no flair. It's interesting to see somebody who decades into their career, this decade, basically reinvent themselves. Yeah. She's, she's a mother, you know, she's talking about infidelity. She's talking about pro blackness. Yes. You know what I'm saying? She's doing this in a pop space because again, very fucking easy. It would have been easy for her to drop fucking 10 fucking songs, yeah. go out there, maybe sing fucking, lift her voice and sing in the background, and that could have been her pro-black moment. But no, this motherfucker came and had Black Panther wear at a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And you've got to take a look at it because it's, we're not talking about fucking, because even a Kendrick is easy for him to do because he's hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And the, the idea that this person who white America accepts you know, or that Saturday Night Live skit, Saturday Night Live skit where they're like, oh, Beyonce's black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that idea of she's so American pie. And for her to do this in the stage of career is fantastic. And the reason why I love it is the idea of where, and we've discussed this. My big pet peeve, and again, I'm a creative to a certain extent, but my money isn't made in creativity. A lot of it is personal pet projects, writing, music. Yeah. Is the idea of where if, if you've got all that money, you know, to me, is that time to take risks? And some artists do when they fail, which yeah. sucks because I'm pretty sure it's it kind of it kind of must kind of suck to be like fucking you know two years ago I was my album was fucking selling out stadiums, and now I'm here in fucking local bar, or they play it safe. What's fascinating about Beyonce is the idea of where it would have been very easy for her because at this stage of her career she could be a Vegas act almost. Yeah, but she's pushing the paradigm forward. She's becoming more woke. She's becoming more confrontational. She's becoming more personal. You know what I'm saying? It would have been very easy for her to be like, all right, I'm writing this pro-black, you know, Black Lives Matter shit. But what if she does? Immediately afterward, drops Lemonade, a very personal project. He's somebody who's finding creativity in the hyper-stadium world of pop, and that's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like, you know, it's really sad to say this shouldn't be a risk, but it is a risk in America to be pro-black. Yeah. And she was she took that risk, and... You know, she's still successful. You know, she's still like people know who Beyonce is, even though you probably, you know, maybe you haven't heard a Beyonce song or liked a Beyonce song in five years. It doesn't matter. She Mm. is Beyonce. She is a brand. She's Apple, Microsoft, Walmart, whatever. Like, and yeah, no, it's very interesting to see what Beyonce is, you know. Um, in 2019, 2020, and the fact that she hasn't dropped an album. Well, Lemonade came out in, like, 2018? Maybe. maybe. 2017, maybe. 2017. Yeah. It was only on streaming services, like, last year. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter. Like, it's, like, it's beyond music. Yeah. <laughs> it does not even matter. Like, she's so much of a brand that, you know, you couldn't even act. Like, I couldn't listen to Lemonade for, like, three years. Didn't matter. I knew all the songs. I knew like you know, like the the song with Jack White. I, I fuck with you know, like like uh like I knew like uh whatever formation you know whatever. Like I knew all the songs. I knew everything, but I haven't heard it in like three years. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's the thing that's very interesting. Where there's so much of this like oh you have to capture people's attention and you have to do all these things and that's where you have like all these artists kind of being thirsty and like Beyonce's playing this game of. I am Nike, basically. I am like I'm such a brand that you will know who I am now and forever. Yeah, let's let's not fool ourselves. You buy these tickets no matter what. Exactly. You listen to this album no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> and like that that takes so much confidence as an artist to do. You know, especially in twenty nineteen where you feel like, you know, you see somebody like floundering like Taylor Swift trying to figure out like how to secure the bag. 
you know, like tell you know, like like you were seeing like some of these other artists, like they'll never go that route and and they'll always play it safe. And Beyonce is just literally just kind of like, I have fuck you money now, so why not? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to put out an album. I'm not even going. I'm going to put on my husband's streaming service. <laughs> Until that ran, that money ran out. But <laughs> you know, I, I I'm going to do all these things, and you're going to like and or respect me because I'm Beyonce. And I, I feel like there's very few artists at that level that have such confidence. Yes, and pro- and absolutely, and I, and I think it lays a paradigm down where you know it's something where it could have been very easy for her to just been the robot that she's been for a lot of her career. But yeah. the fact that she's like I said, she's just taking these risks, which you know, like I said, she's a fucking, she's literally basically she's a company. You know, there's, there's millions of dollars. When Beyonce gets up, there's millions of dollars at stake. Yeah. And, and so to see, like, an, an idea of of just, like, this, I'm doing it on my own fucking... I'm do, it's so hard for you to kind of go against the grain when you're that big of a brand. You've got so many jobs involved with what you do day to day. And she's doing it on her terms and making it very successful. So props to her. Yeah, no, yep. definitely. And, and I think another artist to kind of talk about who's doing it on known level is... Rihanna, yes. the last name on our lists. Yes. Now, Rihanna's a tough one, you know, arguably, you know, perhaps not pop royalty, 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 but up there, you know, it's, it's you know, Beyonce's a little more famous, you know, you could make the argument that, you know, with Rihanna, it's weird because she's somebody where she's had the pop space for a minute She's had these hits for a minute. They kind of seep into your brain, but you don't really think of her as this icon. But for some reason, I feel like this decade, that changed distinctly. And I think it's because, going back to the ideas, at a certain point, just stop giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's before, you know, I remember her Pond the Replay, which is out there. It is very, you know, Def Jam Island put together pop star. And then she had, you know, Umbrella, where she kind of reinvented herself as this fucking. This you know this this edgy fashion icon and there's been a couple of reinventions since yeah and I think it kind of boils down to I think my favorite Rihanna record is Auntie yes. where it's all that shit but her own terms and I think that Rihanna kind of showed you that you know while Beyonce's kind of doing it in the pop music space Rihanna's doing it in the kind of like famous stardom kind of space she's just like look I've got all this power I've got all this it's very easy for me to come out with a brand in Target. It's very easy for me to do this and do that. She's kind of done these business moves, which have revolutionized these industries. But what's hilarious is she's doing it in a way where it's just not even about revolutionized. It's just like, hey, if you guys are making lingerie, how about you make lingerie for sizes for women that actually can fit in? Hey, if you're making yeah. makeup, black women. Oddly enough, crazy idea. They spend a lot of makeup. How about you make shades that will go black women? So in a weird way, she's kind of made this space of, you know, while Beyonce's out there, be, you know, putting out this imagery of black and palm and everything and everything and, and all this other stuff. Like, you could make the argument Rihanna's doing the same exact thing, but a little more subtly. Where it's like, hey, you know, brands, we, we, we like to dress, you know, you know, non-traditional women like to look sexy also. How about motherfuckers, you make us some lingerie? Yeah. Hey, motherfuckers, we like to wear makeup. How can I wear a nude makeup if that bitch looks like fucking bright peach? How about you make some shit I can use too? <laughs> That's also? the most racist ass yeah. thing. Nude. And, and it's the idea of where what's cool about Rihanna is she's doing this on her terms. Even something like Bitch Better Have My Money. You know what I'm saying? Kind of oh, yeah. silly, frivolous fuff. But it's still a fun, silly, you know what I'm saying? Kind of the oh, curse no. and everything else. So it's kind of cool to have like these, and, I, and not to be funny, it had to be black women. Black women would have fucked this shit up. Oh, cool. God, absolutely. Of course. Of but course. you've got these two black women at the top of pop stardom, and they're at the level of this like, why am I dealing with this bullshit? I could do this shit myself. So yeah, Rihanna, number one, and not really not number one, but you know, Rihanna, Beyonce, I think I they set, they set the goal, I think we have to look forward to the next decade of where if you're doing art, whatever art you're doing, they're the motherfuckers you have to fucking look at. No, definitely. So, so Rihanna started the decade with unapologetic. Well, I guess she had talked that talk too, but like her, you know, she had unapologetic. You know, it's like um, diamonds shining bright, like a diamond. Yeah. You know, she was doing, still kind of doing that like bit big tent pop album, and then she drops anti, which is like 
my one of my favorite pop albums of all time. Like just like, up there with like Madonna, Bear, like, uh, bedtime stories, and a couple other mm. albums where I'm just like, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go very dark. I'm gonna go indie. I'm gonna go, you know. I'm gonna take Team, Team Impala cover. Yeah. What kind of random yeah. ass shit? Like now, it seems like genius because they're huge. But at that time, it was oh, yeah, like, yeah. who like, the fuck are these dudes? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's just one dude. <laughs> um, but you know, like, and again, like, I'm going like, Anti was an album where, basically, he again taking it full circle took the weekend template. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes back to the weekends. <laughs> Took that weekend template and made her own, and you know had like hits like "Bitch Better Have My Money," like the Tame Impala color cover, um, you know, uh, "Sex with Me" is so amazing. Like it, that album was a, was truly almost a pop masterpiece in my in my opinion, and and that's it. And just like you know what. I might drop an album in 2020. I'm not sure. Yeah, if I feel like it. Here's a, here's a video of me enjoying my album. <laughs> Maybe I'll drop it, you know? Maybe, but but again, you know, like, like I, I just like the fact that the thing I love about Rihanna is, like, she's so inaccessible. You know, like, Beyonce, I feel like, I wouldn't say Beyonce's open, but I feel like Beyonce, I feel feel like it's more it's it's friendly right i feel like she's just kind of like you know probably would shake my hand rihanna it's like no who the fuck are you but that's the thing it's i make an argument about her inaccessibility is accessible because i have the weird feeling like if i was on some like right, right now i would imagine if rihanna's on some like fuck y'all niggas you know what i'm saying in the comments she's somebody where like it's it's like the idea of where you have this rihanna that's a little bit you know assertive, a little bit more strong, a little bit more strong-willed, you know, and, and I hate to bring this up, but if you think about how, like, she, you know, her career early on with the Chris Brown and stuff and how it was kind of portrayed, for her to kind of come from there to here, it's kind of crazy. And I, like I said, the thing about Rihanna is the fact of where, you know, beyond, like, like there's an empowerment there. Oh, yeah. Like, no. there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's big dick energy. Bam. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, yeah. And, and like, there's an empowerment in this kind of like, I, I am doing whatever I, the fuck I want to. I'm not playing by anybody's playbook. Yeah, I'm not doing you know like whatever. And I'm launching you, these brands, yeah. and you know, like, I, I guess they're saying that the um, Fenty is now like kind of like taking Victoria's Secrets like lunch in terms of like sales. Oh, it's not, dude. I was. You know? it, all right, so full disclosure, why was I like 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 the, like, like on, on the Fenty website for one of those drops, like a fucking like a supreme kid. Yeah. Literally yeah. on some like refreshing the screen <laughs> to buy my girl some stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know, so so yeah, no, I, but I, I just very I think it's very interesting, like 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 Rihanna's so distant. Like you you don't hear that much about her or whatever. Dro- hasn't dropped an album in four years. And we still love her. And yeah. we still like, you know, and I, I feel like it's really amazing to see. Um, and like I said, I, I think one of my predictions is like she probably won't even drop an album in 2020. No, and I, I don't, I don't, yeah. And, and like I said, it's what's cool about it is the fact of where it's like she's st- like, I feel like Rihanna makes it a space too where, like, like if you're any kind of young, because like obviously the, the world's a little weird, the economy's a little weird. I feel like everybody out there hustling on Instagram for their, their label. Anybody out there who's making like this indie pop stuff, anybody like she's like she's a weird aspirational like yo just grind, yeah. so grind creatively. You know what I'm saying? Not just oh, I'm out here making this money, yada yada yada. It's like if you got a good idea, fucking go for it. Fuck yeah. it, fuck them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's why I think it makes Rihanna the kind of special where you know if Beyonce is the idea of where you've got a superstardom and I'm able to kind of make it into this you know t- into more relatable, more real art. Rihanna's just about fucking grind. Yeah. Where it's like, if you've got these talents, yo, like, fuck you. Don't let anybody put you in the box. Like, if you, if you got, if you, because think about it, lingerie. Like, again, fashion icon, but not necessarily directly related to lingerie in the space where it's Victoria's Secret. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Still kind of different. She's like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Successful. And it's, and it, like I said, it's the idea of where I think as we kind of move into a place where the economy is not certain, we kind of rely, have to rely on ourselves. Rihanna's an example of where if you're better than yourself, you might fucking win. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. So props to her. 
You know, shout 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 to me, Riri. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Loan me some money. <laughs> I'll take some free Fenty. You know? <laughs> but uh, but that ends. I think it's the, the our last like recap. Uh, are we going to back to regularly scheduled programming? I think we're going to talk week? about actual new music and new records. <laughs> I think we sat on it enough. You know, we're going to talk about like like maybe maybe we'll do another recap about music we're looking forward to. Two weeks. Look at that. More recaps on recaps. You can recap. We recap already. On that note, we love y'all. Peace. Peace.